That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he felt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oreo Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte, a beardless Matt Bonaparte. Big facial hair change for Bones. Yeah. This is why you got to follow along on Facebook and YouTube because I'm sure our, our listeners who are following along with us live are shocked, befuddled that Matt Bonaparte no longer has your iconic beard. I don't know if it's iconic. I think it's iconic. Um, but yeah, took it off. Uh, people might be asking weird time, winter. Um, that feels like the time to grow out the beard. I'll tell you what. Not get rid of the beard. I got real cold. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. It's kind of thing that you don't recognize that right. uh, you have going for you until you get rid of it. Yeah. And No uh, beard warmth First for time you. I walked down to the car, I was like, oh, my goodness. Chilly. Cold. Yeah. So wow. uh, it's been a change for sure. Yeah. So uh, what was the, the reason for the change? Just needed to switch it up? Uh, it was getting too long. I was trimming it, and I screwed up. You screwed up? And it was gone right there. You goofed there. it? Yeah, I goofed it, and wow. uh, I said, you know what? It's time. It's time. So you screwed up a little bit of it, and then you went, the whole thing's gone. Yes. That's that seems fair. <laughs> that, that seems fair. <laughs> well, I mean, the people may not recognize you at the Birdland yeah. Caravan unless they Maybe were... They were I don't know if they would have into this show here. anyway. No, I think they were gonna. I, I think <laughs> well, they were gonna what? see the iconic beard. There's a chance that they'll be back by then. It's and a fast go, wow, growing beard. That's that's Matt Bonaparte of the Bird's Nest well, uh, we'll of see. Mass and All Access. But yeah, Birdland Caravan coming up in a few weeks. The Orioles just announced their events for that. You can go bowling. I'm pretty some pumped. Orioles. Go golfing. I'd like to bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll pick a up big ball. bowler. No, no, but you just I'd like to do bowl. Yeah, yeah. Who does screening of the the movie 101? Story of the 2023 Orioles happening on Thursday Tomorrow. of that weekend. Nope. Never mind. <laughs> next Thursday. Yeah, next Thursday. Uh, that is happening at the Charles Theater. That's going to be cool. Exciting team, fun team. I'm excited, excited to see what it was content. Yeah, for I, I mean, like, being in this building, you might think that we knew that was happening, but we didn't. We did surprise to us as well, and I'm pretty pumped to see what it's all about. Yeah, that was a decision that was made a few floors down. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm we were not pumped. privy to it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they did. Yeah, we're pumped Good about team it down though. there. Yeah, should be exciting. Still, not a lot of moves to talk about. I mean, you got Imanaga to the Cubs. Yeah, it was kind of the last big move since we were last on this show. The Robbie Ray trade, San Francisco, interesting move. Guy who just got TJ. Yeah, had a great Cy Young season a couple of years ago has gone downhill a little bit since, but San Francisco went out and tried to get a star. Outside of that, not too much happening. Nope. This has been nope. an old stove <laughs> off season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, nobody's enjoying it, um, but it is what it is. There's not a lot we can do about it. I, I bet somebody's enjoying it. I bet Who? there's one sicko out there that's like, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> what I wanted. There's one guy who's like, yeah, everybody, yeah. be upset. He's doing this with his hands, too. Like He's that. doing that evil genius, like, little finger thing <laughs> with his hands. You guys know what I'm talking about. Again, this is why you got to tune in to Facebook and YouTube to see see us doing the, the evil finger hands. But anyway, not a lot of moves to talk about, so we are going to keep talking about some Orioles prospects as the the description reads, you've got a, a not a it's not a top heavy system. It is a loaded system from top to bottom. But the guys at the top 
just so happen to be like top 20 prospects. Yeah. I think when the new top 100 comes out, you're going to have Jackson Holiday be probably the unanimous number one prospect, meaning he's going to be number one on MLB Pipeline, Baseball America, Fangraphs, wherever you are looking at a top 100. Jackson Holiday is more than likely going to be the number one guy there. I think Kobe Mayo and Samuel Basayo both have a chance to be top 20 I think prospect definitely will be, and yeah. Mayo as well. I, I would honestly be surprised if they're not at least both top 25. And then you've got Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad. I know they're a little bit older, have gotten some experience in the big leagues. They count. They are still prospects. They are probably still top 40 prospects, I would imagine, maybe even top 30. And then don't forget about you know Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, both guys that are probably still top 100 prospects as well. So we wanted to take this show to look at some under-the-radar prospects and guys that either could be top 100 type of prospects in the future or just could be making an impact. Even if they don't have the highest ceilings in the world, they could be impact players down the line. So the first guy that I want to talk about is somebody who should not be under the radar, but I think really has been in a lot of our conversations, and that's Enrique Bradfield Jr., Sure. And not often you talk about a first round pick as an under the radar type of guy. Usually when you're the 17th overall pick in a draft, you enter a team's farm system as at very least a top five prospect in the system. That doesn't happen in Baltimore. Yeah. Enrique Bradfield Jr. is currently the Orioles eighth ranked prospect per MLB pipeline. And he's not expected to make his major league debut until 2026. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more like mid to late season 2025, but 2026, a fair estimate there. Bradfield Jr. was one of the most exciting players in college baseball at Vanderbilt for multiple years. He has drawn Kenny Lofton comparisons because of his defense and his speed. Probably won't be a slugger. The bat isn't his calling card, but if you think about the Orioles' current center fielder, Cedric Mullins, he only had four home runs in his final college season at Campbell. Enrique Bradfield Jr. had more than that, 14 combined home runs over his final two seasons at Vanderbilt. So you never know. Maybe he gets older, bulks up, adds some more power. The OPS was close to 900 as a sophomore at Vandy, dipped a little bit as a junior, but you saw his professional debut last year, and it's hard not to get really excited about Enrique Bradfield Jr. 17 games in Delmarva, hit 302 with an on-base percentage close to 500. Yeah, that's what you like. Yeah, you certainly like that. Yeah. In 17 games, he walked 19 times and stole 20 bases. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's hilarious. Yeah. Watching him in person, I went down to cover one of his first games at Delmarva. It was like he was playing a different sport because he got on the base paths and I think I was down on the third baseline just trying to get some footage of him. And he walks, immediately steals first, and then he's on second. He's just a menace yeah. on the base paths. Like, I don't know how you can effectively pitch when Enrique Bradfield Jr. is standing on first or second because he was just toying with pitchers. He's so fast and agile, just like it, it was little twitchy movements back and forth, just completely throwing pitchers off. He was going on just about every pitch. And not even just from first to second. He was going on almost every pitch from second to third. 
And of course he was safe both times. Like, I, I half thought he was going to steal home <laughs> by just the light was so green for Enrique Bradfield Jr. That it's hard to imagine that not continuing to translate as he gets up levels. You got to see where the bat goes. You would like to see him knock some more extra base hits. He only had two extra base hits in his 17 games at Del Marva. Got a little cup of coffee in Aberdeen. You would like to see the bat develop, and I'm excited to see what he does over the offseason in his first full offseason in the organization. I think the upside is huge because if the bat does develop, the defense and the speed are already next level. In the recent MLB Pipeline article that polled executives and asked, you know, who was the best in the minor leagues at this specific trait, Enrique Bradfield Jr. got the second highest percentage of votes for best speed tool. Yeah. And I there were scouts before the draft that said you could plop him in center field in Major League Baseball right now and he would be a capable defender. That's going to play. So I'm excited Absolutely. to see where the bat goes and I think he is somebody to really keep an eye on. Another guy to keep an eye on, another pick from this draft, second rounder Mac Horvath. Yeah. Uh, really good bat, a guy uh, who at UNC hit 305. He had 24 homers in 1,100-plus OPS. He was fantastic, uh, and he put on a show in the O's farm as well. 22 games, 321 average, OPS above 1,000, five homers. Finished up the season in Aberdeen. He'll likely start it there uh, this year, and uh, this is another guy who is a versatile defender. He could play the hot corner. He also plays every outfield position. When he was at UNC, played third base and center field. We haven't seen him in center with the O's farm just yet. He's played corner outfield positions, but uh, he's capable of doing that. The thing that I didn't know about Mac Horvath, or necessarily was in front of mind, is that he's also a plus speed guy, despite being a bigger dude who carries a bigger bat. 60 grade speed on this guy, stole 14 of 15 bases. Like you said, that'll play. Uh, I think Matt Horvath is another guy that you need to keep an eye on because he's getting somebody who, if can you know hit the ground running this upcoming season, is going to skyrocket uh, in the O's rankings. Yeah, and you might be listening to this show, and the title is Under the Radar Prospects, and it might seem a little silly that the first two guys that we have talked about are your first and second round picks yeah. from a year ago. Those aren't exactly under the radar. But gone are the days of talking about top Orioles draft picks like they are going to save the team. Yeah. Right. Like you there's so much excitement surrounding the drafts when you were starting the rebuild that all anybody was talking about were guys like Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson once he started flying up prospect rankings. Like I mean even Jackson Holiday last year gets the attention because he is the number one prospect in baseball. You had the 17th pick in the draft with Enrique Bradfield Jr. Mac Horvath was still a relatively high draft pick. He was your second rounder, but that's not that high because you had a decent record. It was further down in the second round, and the team was good. Yeah, I mean, the Orioles won 101 games. You weren't as focused on the farm system as you were in years past. So there hasn't been a ton of buzz about Bradfield or Horvath because there hasn't needed to be, which is a good thing. I'm not saying I miss the days of, you know, just talking about the farm system because there wasn't much to talk about at the big league level, but Bradfield and Horvath profile as guys that could be impact big league players a few years down the line. And they maybe don't necessarily line up with 
this specific window of winning, if you're looking at the next two or three years, Bradfield and Horvath might not be impact guys within that time. But this is how you build a sustainably good organization is you don't necessarily draft at the top of the first round. You're not always getting the pure blue chip type of talents like Adley Rutschman and Jackson Holiday. But if you can develop players like Bradfield, like Horvath, that's how you're going to keep this thing rolling. And we've talked about it before. The Orioles aren't just, you know, first overall pick merchants. They're drafting guys like Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson outside of the first round and developing them into big-time talents. Bradfield was the 17th overall pick. That's a higher overall pick than Henderson, than Westberg, than Connor Norby, than Joey Ortiz, than all of those guys. So Bradfield and Horvath, they're not getting all the buzz. They're maybe not the top 25, 40 prospects right now, but they were first and second round picks for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And also the Orioles are putting themselves in a position to be a team that just keeps yanking guys up from the minor leagues. You say, where the heck did that guy come from? How is he that good? How do you have that guy waiting in the wings kind of thing? Uh, Which they already are, uh, but they're continuing to pad that, uh, that lead, I guess. Yeah, and I think at the end of this year, we are going to to notice that we probably should have talked more about Bradfield and Horvath, even though they were a little bit lower down in the organizational ranks in terms of where they're playing and their expected big league debut. Still worth talking about a lot. Yes. Next guy for me is somebody who's not under the radar for me. And if you are a listener of the show, you are probably saying that this is not an under the radar guy at all, but I'm going to talk about him anyway. And it's Seth Johnson. Okay. You know that this is my guy it is. for the 2024 season. All of the buzz around Orioles pitching prospects, I mean, you see it with the, the caravan. Rakabako has wrote about it. The top two pitching prospects in this system are Chase McDermott and Cade Povich. Are they, though? Because I think Seth Johnson deserves to be right in that conversation as well. At single A with the Rays, Johnson had a 288 ERA and struck out 11 batters per nine a couple of years ago. Then he goes to high A in 2022, starts seven games, an ERA of three with 14 Ks per nine. Needs Tommy John after that, misses the rest of 2022. Most of 2023, he jumped through a few levels for the Orioles at the very tail end of last season, just pitched in five games. The numbers weren't great. I don't care about the numbers. It's five games. He was coming back from Tommy John. They just wanted to get him some reps. He's got a hopefully healthy offseason where he can develop. And look, he's going to start in double-A buoy more than likely as a 25-year-old pitcher. I understand that that is a little bit behind the curve, but he is 25. He is on the 40-man roster. I think if he pitches well through five to eight starts in buoy, he probably gets the bump up to AAA yeah. Norfolk very, very quickly. He's on the fast track, for yes. sure. And if he pitches well at AAA Norfolk, then we could be talking about Seth Johnson as an impact type of pitcher for the Orioles in 2024. He has never been bad at the minor league level. I know that the sample size isn't huge. I know we're talking about numbers from low single A in the Tampa Bay organization when he was a relatively well-established college pitcher. I know we're talking about stats from 2022 in high A, where, again, he was a little bit older. But he has shown you nothing but success at the minor league level. 
The pitch mix is outstanding. He's got a fastball that can touch 98 with a great mid-80s slider. His pitches have all sorts of movement. I am just so excited to see what Seth Johnson brings after a healthy offseason in 2024. Again, he's an older guy. I think he's going to dominate double-A buoy. He is a high strikeout type of pitcher with a great fastball slider combo. I think this is somebody who could have a huge impact. And I think within a couple of months, it's not going to be McDermott and Povich are the clear best pitchers in this organization. I think Seth Johnson is going to be at the very least in that group. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, Mostly because, like you said, he's never struggled. Uh, And obviously, he's in a bit of a different situation now, coming off of an injury, but we've also seen him do that before. Um, So, this is a guy uh, who, like you also said, we could see in the majors next year. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, he's got the stuff. He just has to prove it. Uh, And I think that of people who are in this situation, he's one of the most capable. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to see what Seth Johnson does next year with a full year uh, and a healthy season. Yeah, and he's the classic walks a bit too many guys, keep the ball in the strike zone, kind of high strikeout hey, guy. Blake Snell just won the Cy Young. It's a good Old point. Guys, pitchers who walk guys are in right now. <laughs> it's a good point. That's in for 2024, pitchers yeah. who walk guys. I've got a pitcher here as well going Justin Armbruster. Okay. 12th round pick uh, in 2021 out of New Mexico. Uh, the first thing that you got to know about this guy, if you don't already, is that he's massive. Six foot five, 250 pounds, Tyler Wells type build. Uh, I mean, he's got a, you know what they describe his fastball as? Good. Hoppy. Hoppy. It's a hoppy fastball. I know how you love a hoppy uh, fastball. 97 mile an hour can get up to. He's got a cutter. He's got a, a sweepy slider, as they say, and a work in progress changeup. Uh, he's He was really good last year in double-A. 2.47 ERA. Strikeouts were a little bit down. Comes up to triple-A. The ERA shoots up, but the strikeouts go up as well. And he had a pretty strong August where he had a 3-3-2 ERA. He's just got to do that for a full season in AAA, and things will get really interesting for him because he's going to be another one of those guys you look at and say, huge dude, has a nice fastball, and he's got good stuff. Hoppy. Yeah, hoppy fastball. Maybe they throw him in the bullpen. Maybe he's an option for that along with the Chase McDermott's and the Seth Johnson's of the world. Um, obviously, he's going to have to prove it big time in AAA, but, I mean, it's a big if. But if he does, he's just another guy that the Orioles had that they've developed uh, in terms of arms. So I really like Arm Brewster. I don't yeah. know why, but a, a massive righty just speaks to me. Uh, and uh, I, I'm totally in on him. Yeah, I think Arm Brewster is... Another one of those guys that's just under the radar could make some sort of impact for the Orioles in 2024 because he's going to be entering his age 25 season. As he mentioned, had to like what you saw from him at the tail end of the AAA Norfolk season last year. Got to get down the walks, though. Yes, he does have to get the walks down. Um, But as we mentioned, uh, walks are in. Walks are in. Uh, They're they're not really in. At least for lefties, they are. At at least for lefties. Uh, If Arm Brewster can get the walks down a little bit, he is a high strikeout caliber kind of pitcher I don't know if he's going to crack his way into the starting rotation don't quite know if he has that sort of upside I'm not sure about that but you always like arms you always like depth you always like a potential bullpen arm I think arm Brewster is a good name to keep an eye on and we could see him in the majors at some point in 2024 if he pitches well I'm going to keep this pitcher theme going and talk about a guy that I think could have a similar type of Justin arm Brewster trajectory we saw arm Brewster 
enter the top 30 at like 30 last year. And it was like, oh, cool. Justin Armbruster is a top 30 prospect. That's nice. Now he's up to number 19. Trace Bright is currently the Orioles' 30th ranked prospect, a fifth round pick out of Auburn in the 2022 draft. What have we said for the last three pitchers? It's right-hander good stuff. A lot of strikeouts get the walks down. That's Trace Bright. Over 13 Ks per nine, but did walk over five batters per nine inning last year. Started the 2023 season, by the way, in Aberdeen with 18 strikeouts in his first eight innings. He, he's ridiculous. That's a lot of strikeouts. He's so good, and yeah. he's just fun to watch play when he's on because he's just going to mow guys down. Yeah. I mean, 18 strikeouts in eight innings is bonkers. That's, that's so that's many ridiculous. strikeouts. Um, and he's a guy that I love to watch the uh, just the, the career of here, the timeline, because I think he could absolutely make a difference in the big leagues one day, whether that's a, as a starter or even a back-end bullpen guy, just because of how great his stuff is. If he gets those walk numbers down and he can keep the strikeout numbers up, he's going to be a problem. Yeah, and I think even more so than Arm Brewster, I do think Bright's like ceiling ceiling is a major league rotation type of arm. Yeah. I think we could see him really climb up prospect rankings because he's just for lack of a better pun, he's got to get the commander under under control. He needs to come out in a first inning and just start putting guys away. That's where he has struggled this season, where if he starts to walk guys early in a game, he tends to just walk a lot of guys like he can kind of come out of the gate and you know whether or not Trace Bright has it that day or not. And that also just comes with being a young pitcher. It was his first full professional season in the organization. And those are the kinds of kinks that you can work out where you can get the command to a more stable place, fill up the strike zone a little bit more, trust that your stuff is good enough to fill up the strike zone and still strike guys out. Yeah. Um, I mean... The crazy number on him, which I believe we've said before, is his K per nine is only beaten by Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall in the last however many years. Yeah, it was 13 and a half last yeah, season. it's ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, he's a guy that if it isn't on your radar, has to be, because this is going to be a really interesting season for him. Yeah, he's going to be 22 at Bowie. We'll see how he performs there. But if he can fill up the strike zone, this is somebody that, again, could vault into that next tier of pitching prospect. For me, uh, going with a 2020 second round pick, Hudson Haskin out of Tulane, uh, a guy that is talked about a decent amount, but I wanted to highlight because it's an interesting year for him. Absolutely. He's coming off uh, of a pretty big injury, and he's also coming off of an offseason in which he was left for the Rule 5 draft. So it's a big old prove-it year for Hudson Haskin. Uh, And I think we're going to find out whether or not um, he's got it. He's a very, very good player and has been in the past. 821 OPS in 2022 in 109 games at Bowie. Last year, in the time uh, that he was healthy, he had an 800-plus OPS. He's got a lot going for him, but it's going to be a very interesting year for another outfielder uh, that the Orioles have who definitely has talent. The Orioles have a bunch of outfielders who definitely have talent. I just don't know if they're going to make to the majors. Yeah, it's... It's going to be a weird year for Hudson Haskin, yes. I think. It was a weird offseason for Hudson Absolutely. Haskin. Because many of us expected Haskin to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. 
and added to the Orioles 40-man roster. He wasn't. He missed a lot of the year at the end. I don't know how much of that was maybe the Orioles were trying to hide Hudson Haskin a little bit and keep him from another team selecting him in the yeah. Rule 5 draft, but had a nice season in Norfolk when he was there. I mean, it was 23 games, but he had an 832 OPS in that stretch. He's just going to be entering his age 25 season. So he's starting to get to the point where it's, okay, it was a second-round draft capital, 39th overall pick back in 2018. He is putting up decent numbers in AAA Norfolk. Does he have the upside of an everyday big league starter? I don't know, but he can play a quality defensive center field. He could, I think, at the very least be a depth piece if you have an injury or anything like that at the big league level. I don't know if Hudson Haskin is the type of player that you are looking at to compete for one of those depth outfield roles coming out of spring training. I think that role is probably going to be down to Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Ryan McKenna, Kyle Stowers. I think that's the group of four that you are probably looking at. But I think Hudson Haskin is also probably coming to camp with the mindset that he is competing for that role as well. Yeah. As a 25-year-old who has put up pretty decent numbers in Norfolk, you should have that mentality. I agree. And like you said, he plays a solid center field, plays all three outfield positions, of course. And he has plus speed as well. So that's something that he's got going for him. Um I mean, it's just going to be a super interesting year, and the reason I put him on the list is because I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I think, I, honestly, I don't know where he's going to start the year coming off of an injury like this. I don't know what they're going to do with him. So it's just going to be interesting. We have now reached the portion of this, the show that I will affectionately call the sicko portion <laughs> of the show where we are looking at some prospects that are either at you know the very tail end of the Orioles' top 30 prospect rankings or just flat out not on the top 30 at all. And those are some of my favorite guys. To Same. About because this is what a baseball sicko like me just lives for. The guys that are totally off the radar that could make a name for themselves. I'm going to start with a guy who is in the Orioles' top 30 as of right now, and that is Alex Pham. He's the Orioles' 29th-ranked prospect in their top 30. He is a small starting pitcher at five foot eleven, which is part of what dropped him to the 19th round back in the 2021 draft, but he's got a five-pitch repertoire, and he can mix all of his pitches really, really effectively. He was a reliever in college and was a reliever in the system heading into the 2023 season, and then the Orioles gave him a chance to start. He was really, really good. He got 12 games in Aberdeen with a 245 ERA, 14 games in Bowie with a 267 ERA. That's good. Now, again, does need to get the walks down a little bit, but he did that effectively in 2023. He was walking nearly five batters per nine in 2022, got that down to three and a half in 2023. He is beating those walks too many guys' allegations. Struck out around eight batters per nine once he got up to Bowie, but that was in his age 23 season. He's still pretty young to be in Bowie. I don't know if he has the highest upside in the world. A five foot 11 starter is tough to translate to the big leagues. We've seen it occasionally with shorter starters having success, guys like Marcus Stroman, but that's not going to happen all the time. The pitch mix isn't overwhelming. He's not going to give you a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, but he's got a five-pitch mix. He can use all of his pitches well. He's not walking a lot of guys anymore. He can fill up the strike zone. 
there are a lot of points where you would look at Alex Pham and say, okay, he's not going to put up good numbers for reasons X, Y, and Z. He was a 19th round pick. He's a shorter pitcher. He doesn't have overwhelming stuff. But the numbers are just good. Yeah. So I don't know how many things you can look at with Alex Pham that aren't overruled by just going, hey, the numbers are good, though. Like, if the numbers are just going to be good, like, I'm not going to say that he doesn't have the ceiling because he's just been a solid pitcher. I guess it's the kind of thing where you just have to think about whether or not it's going to translate to the next level and keep taking that chance on him. Um, But like you said, if the numbers are good, it's really hard to deny him. So, um, yeah, I'm just another guy who has a lot of talent, um, who has an unclear ceiling. And, uh, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world because eventually you'll find out. Yeah. Um, But we could see him one day. His scouting grades, he doesn't have a single grade on one of his pitches that's above a 55. Wow. Fastball, 50. Curveball, 50. Slider, 50. Cutter, 50. Changeup, 50. Okay, well, there's no no less than 50. Yeah, exactly. He'll take that. <laughs> there's, there's not a single pitch that is, like, overwhelmingly great, but all of his pitches are, are good. pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to write off Alex Pham. Until he goes to a level and the numbers aren't what you expect, he's just going to be good. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Um, here I've gotten... 10th round pick this year, Matthew Etzel out of Southern Mississippi. Now, that's a guy that if we had done this show last week, I would have said he can rock a beard just like you. He's got a big beard. He's a good player. He's a good player. Um, Yeah. I like this guy a lot. Contact hitting center fielder. uh, Can play every outfield position. uh, Played his way up to Aberdeen to finish the year this year. Has flown under the radar. I mean, how many times... Does a 10th round pick actually play incredibly well to start the minor league season after being drafted and get promoted? Um, I actually don't know the answer. 21 <laughs> games at Delmarva this year, 314 average, nearly a 450 on base. Yeah. I mean, you'll take that. 486 slugging gets him above a 900 OPS, 16 stolen bases, and a couple of homers. Um, this is a guy who is, if he can start the year at Aberdeen, which he probably will, and continues to impress, he's going to throw himself right in the conversation of the Beavers, the Fabians, the Haskins, the Rhodes, all those guys, and be an outfielder where you're like, well, there's another one who could potentially make it up. And he's a younger guy, obviously, having been just drafted. Uh, so definitely a, a guy to keep an eye on in terms of potential outfielders that we could see one day uh, because he's incredibly talented plays a great center field played for um, Jackson Holiday's relative at uh, in Chatham yeah uh, so he's got that going for him too Matthew Etzel sneaky athlete I'm gonna throw that <laughs> term that out there mean? listen he's a base he's a professional baseball player we, so we went down to Delmarva, you'll see what I mean in a second. We went down to Delmarva, talked to a bunch of guys, and kind of the joke was, because Enrique Bradfield Jr. is like the fastest man alive, we were asking everybody if there was anybody that could possibly beat Enrique Bradfield Jr. in a race. And the guys said, Matthew Etzel. Look at that. As Not could beat him, but if anybody was going to give Enrique Bradfield Jr. a run for his money, it's my guy. It was Matthew Etzel. I like that. Yeah. That's good. And he's got a great name. Good hitter. I like Etzel a lot. Great first name he's got. Good first name there. Great. Final guy for me that is an under-the-radar player, Carter Young. 
Not going to find him on a top 30 list. 17th round pick back in 2022. 17th round pick, I'm putting in air quotes because he was a very overslot selection. Similar to Enrique Bradfield Jr. went to Vanderbilt and was much better in his sophomore year than his junior year. Had an OPS close to 900 as a sophomore for Vandy and fell to a 710 in his junior year. Struggled a little bit in Delmarva to begin last season numbers-wise. Moves up to Aberdeen, and the OPS shot up to 740 in 15 games. Batting average was over 290. He plays shortstop. That's good. Went to <laughs> Vanderbilt. That's even better. Yeah. Probably pretty I don't smart know what the too. upside for Carter Young is, but I do know a few things about him. First is that the 17th round draft pedigree, if you are still looking at that, Probably somebody who could have been selected anywhere from rounds like five to eight if a team thought that they were going to be able to sign him. He slips to the 17th round because I think maybe the Orioles thought there was a chance they could sign him and just why not take a shot. And then they do end up signing him, which was a surprise to everybody involved covering that draft. And if you play shortstop for Vanderbilt and hit well at a premium position put up the kind of numbers that he put up in his sophomore season, that's somebody to look at. I'm not saying that everybody who is a shortstop at Vanderbilt is automatically going to be a quality big league player. That is arguably the best college baseball program in the country. Sorry, Ben McDonald's LSU, but I think Vanderbilt's right there as the best in the nation. And he played arguably the premier position for that team and put up great numbers. Yeah, um, I think that if it wasn't the Orioles, he probably doesn't sign. Like, think about it. Like, yeah, he's a, he's, that's the only team where you're like, okay, you're looking at the farm and you're like, well, that guy succeeded. That guy succeeded. That guy succeeded. Like, this is probably where I want to be. Yeah. And I think if it's another team, Carter Young is probably going, okay, I'm going to go back to school yeah, exactly. for my senior year, try to put up the numbers that I put up my sophomore year get my draft stock back up, and get selected within the first couple of rounds. He's the guy that you go on his baseball reference page in a couple of years and see that the Orioles took him in the 17th before he got taken in the first yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and you say, wow, oh, we, we were on him kind of thing. Um, but he signed because probably just a huge credit to this organization for the way that they develop talent. And, and he probably wanted to be in a place where there's a lot of success going on in the minor leagues. Uh, and obviously I can't fault him for that because – I mean, how could you not want to be there? Yeah. I mean, the, the Orioles are the place to go if you are going to get the most out of your upside that you possibly can. So I think Carter Young is somebody that we could look at as, you know, he could have a big 2024 and we could say, yeah, the potential was always there. Yes. And if he struggles a little bit, it okay, it was a 17th round pick. You took a flyer on the guy, tried it, didn't work. Okay, move on. But I think Carter Young could sneak his way to being a solid prospect for the Orioles. My last one, if you know me, you knew this was coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, 27th overall prospect. Woo! It's my boy, Billy Cook. What a fitting way to end this show. It's my guy, Billy guy. Cook. Uh, you know, if you didn't know, now you know. 2020 season, first in Bowie history for the kid. Uh, I mean, this is a he's just a fun player. He's a lovely guy. Um this is a guy that you're going to want to follow. I feel like he's the kind of guy who everybody would have been clamoring over in like the early 2010s. And 
he, I mean, just a ball player's ball player. Just a player. ball player's ball player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's the kind of guy that if he played like 15 years ago, we'd be sitting here remembering guys and it'd be like Billy Cook, and you'd be like, oh, Billy Cook. Billy Cook. <laughs> um, 776 OPS last year. He said he wanted to work on it. Uh, went down to the Arizona Fall League, hit 818 for the, o- o- or for the OPS. Hit um, 818? Yeah, he got an 818 OPS. All right, let me rephrase that. <laughs> 818 OPS thanks to a 360 on base. That's good. Um, he walked 14 times in 20 games, so he wasn't lying when he said he was working on it. Uh, so that's something that, uh, you know, keep an eye on him for because 2020 season's fantastic, but uh, that OPS does need to rise. In terms of the glove, he's a utility guy. First base, second base, the entire outfield. I feel like he could start the year at AAA. Why not? He could. Billy Cook is, is a cool <laughs> choice for this. What was that? What was what? He gave me a he gave me a look and then a, a he went, snort. He could thing. he could Billy Cook. When we say he is a ball player's ball player, that means he is our ball player because we went down to talk to some of the guys in Bowie and Billy Cook was just I think pumped to talk to us. We were pumped to talk to Billy Cook. He's but, the man, but he was pumped. He was just ready to talk some baseball and He's talk shop, which was cool. Billy Cook is a very easy player to root for, and just had a Fangraphs article written about him. By yeah. the way, I, I was scrolling through Twitter and saw Billy Cook's name pop you up. You didn't expect that, did you? The title of the article is literally, Billy Cook is an under-the-radar prospect in a loaded Orioles system. Should have been, Billy's cooking. Then, <laughs> <laughs> Now, keep going. You got it. The Subtitle. The <laughs> subtitle. The next big star who's breaking records in the O's farm system. Well, I'm glad you haven't put too much pressure or expectations on him. I mean, That's I haven't, good. I'm just rooting for him. Yeah. He's my favorite player. Yeah, look, a good athlete, as you mentioned, can play second base, first base, every outfield position. That's going to play in this Orioles system. That is what they look for in the minors. That is what they look for at the big leagues. You have stars like Gunnar Henderson that play multiple positions. Jordan Westberg plays multiple positions. That versatility is going to help Billy Cook a lot. He's got to get the strikeout numbers down. Had a 25% strikeout rate last year. You're such a hater, man. I'm certainly not a hater. <laughs> I am I am on the Billy Cook bandwagon. We are early to the Billy Cook bandwagon. Start Excited to see you. what he Jump does on. in 2024. Yeah. Again, don't know exactly what the upside is. Don't think it's a, a big league everyday probably, starter. Probably a potential MVP candidate. Probably, probably perennial MVP candidate. Oh Might start pitching as well. Maybe two way. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Could be sure. I don't. Yeah. That, that's what Gotta we're talking about here guy. on the on the under the radar prospects show. It's just guys that could potentially turn into Shohei. You know, that's that's what you look for in an under <laughs> the radar prospect. That list. Billy Cook is number one on that list. But I think that'll just about wrap things up here for our under the radar prospects show. Make sure you are following along with all of our Mass and Orioles social accounts, YouTube, the Mass and app for all of our off season coverage. We've also got the Hot Stove Show. Coming to you every Thursday at 1.30 on Facebook and YouTube. It'll be on Twitter, I think, at 2 or 2.30. I don't know, at some point. We're going to cover all of your Orioles offseason news here on the Bird's Nest as well. If you didn't follow along with us live on Facebook and YouTube, you can catch us after the fact on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts or digital shows. You can find me and Matt Bonaparte here on the Bird's Nest. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes. For Matt, I'm Brendan. We'll catch you next time.